Okay, good evening. So, last week, and again, I just want to reiterate, I hope everyone is working on this. I, I, I will tell you, I was just talking about, like, you know, I had my own, my own excitement over the weekend, and it works. It works to work on yourself, you know, to imagine uh, picking up time of the day where you're going to focus on self-lawness, on not getting upset, and we even raised a notch last time, not only not getting upset, but no matter what happens, but even if something is upsetting, not letting it affect us, which means still being kind and generous, still being caring and giving. Um, and I, again, I hope everyone is not coming to hear my voice, but coming to work on ourselves. Um, because this is called a Chabura. Chabura means that we make an effort to improve. Uh, as mentioned, the Vilna Gain says that the point of life is to improve ourselves, to to better ourselves, to work on our midas. And certainly the, the dividends, the reward of this midah, and that whatever we do next, um, is eternal and in this world as well. I, I mean, the calmer a person is, the less likely will be to get anger, angry, the better the relationships will be, the happier they will be with Hashem. And this practice, if we do it, it, it prepares us for the bigger challenges in life. Even people who generally can handle pressure or um, get along with their relatives or do whatever. I'll give you an example. I mean, I know a lot of people, some people already left and some people are leaving for Thanksgiving. When you're with relatives, tight quarters, you know, four families in one house, you've experienced it a little bit. At the time where it should be, everyone's getting together. The time, the calmest time should be when everyone's getting, family loves each other. I can tell you, I've seen people pre and post Pesach, they look like they want to kill their relatives. (laughs) Literally, you you look at their eyes and like, you know, that's what I see. I can only imagine what goes on in the house. Um, and, it, and that's because in, in normal circumstances a person is struggles with sublimus, but when it's when the heat is on, it becomes more difficult. For example, people will be going to their in-laws. People are going to have their in-laws. People are going to you know go on vacation. Again, I grew up in South Florida. I saw families they would call me like you'd see the parents screaming at the kids on the street on the way to the restaurant didn't I tell you to hurry up you know I waited a few five times in the hotel right? I can't tell you how many times I saw that growing up in the streets of Miami Beach you know families on vacation now a, a vacation should be a bonding time it should be some, a time where people bond and the complete opposite happens and that's because people have not worked on themselves so again I think People are having a lot of quality time <laughs> this weekend. At last I heard most people have off, except for parts. Parts, the store that never closed, it's there for all of us. Right? So, Thursday, Friday, Shabbos, Sunday, it should be a time of bonding. But if a person doesn't work on their self honest, they're more prone to costs. And again, the way we, we conquer costs, the way we conquer anger. And anger doesn't just mean screaming, anger means being tense, anger means not being a giver, shutting down from people. Anger means not being able to focus because of this. Right? It manifests itself differently in different people. And again, some people handle these situations by becoming depressed. So we're not discussing depression t- right now. That could be a corollary as well. But the more self-loveness we have, the better. And the way we'll get it, and I stress this because Rabbi Sai, 
the ladies, I should say, we should be working on this. Right? It, it's to our benefit. It's, there's no homework here for me. I'm not a teacher. Right? I'm not saying, there's no grades. The grades, we grade ourselves. We grade ourselves. Right? We grade ourselves in this world and in the next world. And if we improve ourselves, we improve our life in this world, we improve our life in the next world. So last week, uh, we discussed two angles, two separate uh, points. Number one, we, we discussed and we, we quoted the Ramak, Ramosha Kardavaro, that Hashem is the ultimate Melech Nelav. He's the ultimate king who tolerates. What do we, how, what do we explain based on the Ramak? That imagine God. God gives a person life constantly. And as sometimes Hashem gives us life, we said, <laughs> as the life force is coming into us, we're literally singing. So imagine a parent feeding a child, a child punching the parent, sitting on the parent, kicking the parent. That, and the parent's still giving. That's how God deals with us very often. As, you know, we, 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 a person is having life, being injected with life, we sin against God. And God is patient with us. Now, of course, as mentioned, patience has limitations and there is a day of judgment. But He's patient and He constantly gives us, He gives us opportunities. And we say the same thing is that we have to be constant givers. God, God is constantly giving. Right? All of us here, we're fortunate. We hear, we see, we think, we're breathing, hearts, right? constantly giving. So we have to be giving to others, which means, we, we, we brought an example. Um, very often, somebody hurts us, let's say a friend, they disappoint. Right? In, in human dynamics, every relationship will have that. Every single relationship, anything quality. You know why? People think differently. People act differently. People are forgetful. People are imperfect. And sometimes they may be imperfect. They may be different. But it's hurtful. <laughs> it's hurtful. It's painful. Certainly, if it's from someone who's close, and certainly someone you expect more from. So, th- what happens almost naturally for many people? So that happens, and we pull back. Right, we, 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 we stop giving. We stop investing. Right? That, that is not the reaction that we should be having. Right? If Hashem said every time we sinned, <laughs> Hashem's giving us and we, we sinned, pull, pull back. We would, every, you know, we would have a human race. Right? God, we would be destroyed because God would say, stop giving to us. Right? We have to be God-like. Right? We have to be givers. I mentioned Rabbi Moshe Sher last week that he said, you know, he does favors for people. Sometimes he wishes they throw pebbles and not stones. Because sometimes even the people you do favors to, they don't return don't they don't requite they don't return it. There there are many ingrates in the world and when you deal with people who have no akara satov, it can cause you not to give anymore. You invite somebody for uh, a meal for Shabbos and they're not appreciative. They complain or they make a mess. They don't say thank you. Or they don't clean up after themselves. And you feel like, why should I do this again? I'm sure people have heard of such a thing. Why should I do this again? Why? You, you lend someone something and you have a bad experience. Why should I do this again? Right? Bad experiences or bad opportunities for situational or individual friendships, certainly in marriage. I mentioned last week, Many husbands thanked me over the week. They said, thank you, Rabbi Levine. You encouraged my wife to put on makeup. It was so nice of you. My show mind is better than better. I was very popular this week. Very, very popular. Um, 
So I gave a suggestion. I gave a suggestion. I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and again, if, if, I, if anything, if there's a side benefit, Shalom, it's fantastic. That really a wife, when a husband comes home, he's the most important person in the world. Now when they go to the famous Amachab and Lava Malka to get tarts or tartars, <laughs> or not, where they go to the Amachab dinner, or the, the JSN dinner, or whatever dinner that's out there, all good. I, I think people should look presentable. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of that. But when you really think about it, looking presentable for the world, which is important, I hope looks presentable, but it's more important to be presentable and attractive to your husband. Much more important. So, I gave you an example. Really, ideally, you know, everything being equal. Uh, when a husband comes home, he, a wife should put on makeup. I think that's a nice thing. Put on a shaytal. She has a shaytal. Nice thing. And, and, and vice versa. <laughs> if a husband comes home, he should make sure to look, you know, well, well-groomed. Um, now, her husband does something where a wife is unappreciative. If the reaction is no makeup or no shaito or not to make his favorite dinner or to be cold or a little, you know, lukewarm, that is not the right reaction. If your imperfect husband, and all husbands are imperfect, does something, you communicate, you talk, you pick the right time, when he's cool, calm, relaxed, you feed him the dinner, you put on the makeup, you put on the shaito, right? You're smiling. And then when he's sitting down, you say... By the way, you know, I'll tell you the truth, I was a little bit hurt when you said this. I was a little I was a little bit disappointed about this. And if he's half a man, I'll be receptive. And if he's not that half a man, please send him to me. <laughs> I'll try to work on him. I'll do I'll do my best. Uh, but that that it's not that he's imperfect, so I'll I, I will be back to that to him. That's not the, that's not the, that's, that's unintelligent unproductive and it makes whoever is doing that less of a person. It makes them a reactive individual. A person who doesn't have self-love. So the first thing we worked on is still being a giver even when we get disappointed in life. Number two, we talked about self-love patience with ourselves. That uh, a cause of great anxiety, disappointment, quitting, and ultimately failure is people people not being patient with themselves. Expecting that they'll go, I actually had a lunch today um, with a uh, Russian individual who is potential to go further, not from the shoal. So I always, when I deal with Russians, I'm always a little bit nervous. Ladies, don't say. <laughs> <laughs> I would say. Because if you ever ignite them on fire, they can go from zero to hundred like in a day. Like, and then they can collapse. Like, they have this army personality where it's like, okay, and all of a sudden they go, and, that, and, the, and Americans, you have to, like, wind them up to get them started. You know, slowly, slowly, slowly. slowly. Right. So, first, you have, well, if you get a Russian in the right way, you can, first, they're, they're much harder to convince because they come from an atheistic society. But if they come to believe in God, they go full force very quickly. There's a danger to that. And we mentioned that last week. And that is, it's, has to be real. And realness comes with patience and it comes by intrinsic growth and building. Um, for a person who is, uh, we discussed last week, a person who struggles with unhappiness or sadness or depression, again, nothing clinical over here. If you think and you imagine that you know, you're a non-positive thinker, uh, again, negative thinking, I, I, I may do this after, I've not decided yet. 
So I really hold that negative thinking is one of the most destructive, destructive things for people. It destroys everything. I mean, negative thinker. So you're, you think negatively. If your person thinks, okay, I'm not going to be a negative thinker anymore. They decide tonight, go cold turkey. It's not going to happen. <laughs> and if they think that it will happen, one of three things will happen. They will start thinking negatively and give up on their, their goals. They will get depressed about thinking negatively. Or they'll be anxious. And, and either They'll never be successful. I guarantee you. To be successful a day, the minute something negative happens, something will collapse. But what would be a good goal? I'm going to work on my negativity. It's not going to take me a hundred years. And every time I'll try to get, I'm going to learn about it, I'm going to work on it, well, we're not working on it right now, but I'm going to slowly but patiently, if it takes me 30 years, and make slight improvements, and I'm working on it, I'm going to work on it. And over time, a person will think more and more positive. That's real, and that takes patience. <laughs> it takes savannas. It takes being able to fall and grow from that fall. It takes going back to the drawing board and working on it again, and that's will be a successful person. I gave an example um, about the husbands coming to Shul. Right? I, ideally, I don't care where, what background anyone's from here, the goal of life for, uh, for a Jewish male is to, to strive. Again, people go slowly. If you know where you are, if you know where you're holding... A Jewish male should pray in synagogue three times a day. Hashem created the Torah not for for, for the for the one percent. He created for a hundred percent of Jewish males. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. That is the goal. Now, sometimes people have work conflicts. Some people have life conflicts. But that goal of davening a million three times a day is not for the one percent. It's for the hundred percent. I never. I've looked in Shulchan Aruch many times. I haven't seen an exception. There are life exceptions. Right? Somebody's not well. Somebody is a, a parnasa is could be with it. They can't be or negotiated around. But the goal. Some people are not davening, let alone going to minion. So yet they're not there. They're not there. So you have a husband who comes Saturday morning, not Shabbos morning. Saturday morning, ten thirty, strolls in, just in time for the rabbi's drasha. Right? He comes comes in. I, if you, if someone imagines that you'll flip that husband to coming, not he doesn't even daven during the week to get him to daven three times a day, every day, it's not going to happen. He's going to be a failure. So what's the goal? So I'll tell you, this guy today, I asked him to come, not observing yet. Asked him to come one day a week. And he committed to come one one weekday. He's not walking distance. One night a week. Maybe if I, if if it works out, we'll do it for six months. Yep, we're going to get two nights. Maybe a couple mornings. We'll see what happens. So sometimes people have done that and they never left. Right. Other times people, other times people, they come in and, and they gain something. But it's it's a process. So we have to have patience with ourselves. We have to have patience with growth. If we are patient and we put up with ourselves, but we don't become apathetic, we don't become, we continue to push ourselves, we'll be successful. We'll, we're goal-oriented. We have a vision we have a focus, we have a mission, but we're patient. Okay, that's what we did last week. Now, says the great Revolba, Madur miyuchad kovas la'atzmo hasavlanas shal adam iman shebeso. There needs to be a whole chapter, a whole different uh Compartment of patience, a whole different level of patience 
when you're dealing with your family, your loved ones, the people who in theory, because we love them, we should be the most patient for. We should be the most caring, the most kind, the most respectful of. The most patient of. These are the people we actually care about. Not the guy at the grocery, even though the, the parts we care about them. Right? Mm-hmm. Not, not the stranger you meet in the street who we were so nice to, like, you know, sometimes when my kids say, oh, we made a kid Hashem. You know? Meanwhile, they say that little kid that will go after their sister or their brother and they'll, they'll eat them alive. But in the street, oh, we made a kid Hashem. Beautiful. <laughs> kid Hashem, the same kid, kid Hashem in the street. They will taunt their sibling. Right? Well, why wouldn't, who, who better to be kind to than your sibling? Who better to be friendly to than your sibling? Your spouse. <laughs> who who deserves patience? You really think about more than our spouses. When this is published, feel free to send this to your husbands. So they can hear this also. Right. But who 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 better? Who better to be patient with, with our spouses? Alright, but the Maisa, the bottom line is the more comfortability and closeness we, we have to people, we need even more patience. And he's an extra dose of patience. An extra dose of savlanos, of bearing. Of, of bearing and holding and putting up with happily, as we discussed. You know, strangers are people you see infrequently. There's going to be less challenges. That's the reality of the relationship. You see them infrequently. You're going to be extra courteous. They're going to be extra courteous. How are you? Hi, bye. Nice to see you. I missed you. It's been, it's been years since we hung out. How's life? How's this? Right? The, the, the stress points or the mess-ups or the expectations are much less. Asha ken yaisir kasha but a neighbor, for example, who you deal with all the time, right? if you have a close neighbor, so it's harder to be a good close neighbor than a good faraway friend. There are people you deal with in your surroundings. Right? I'm sure everyone here has girlfriends in different cities in the United States or in different countries who you speak to every three months, every six months, right? someone's a month. Those phone calls are where those, you know, you meet them and you go, you go visit, you know, it's all friendly. It's, it's not, they're not, it's not going to be, you know, some kind of dysfunctionality or some mistake, egregious mistake. Very, it's usually high by, friendly, nice. You know, I, I have a friend, I speak to, a couple of friends like this, I speak to every two to three months. So, you know, the relationship is deep because of history, not because of the present. So we speak, it's usually 10-15 minutes, we catch up. <laughs> That's usually what we do. How's life? How's things? We'll catch up. I get an invitation for their kids. Bro mitzvah or bris. Great. You know, it's, and the relationship is built on past experience, but there's not going to really be any stress involved in that relationship. They're not gonna be, you're not going to say anything that's going to be challenging. For the most part, it does happen, but uncommon. Whereas the people you're dealing with on a weekly or a daily basis, friends, more likely, they're going to have things which are more disappointing and more challenging. But the hardest is your, your, your family. People who see you early in the morning, 
Oisoyach on Yom Velayla, night and day. Bechol Matzav Mishonim, and all kinds of circumstances and situations. Nitzem Loimar Shamida Anaisim Abayis Harei Hihi Aslavlanus. The most important is to be able to bear to be Slavlanus. Uh, I know. I have a few kids in my house, and with every kid, <laughs> I have to work even more with because there are more demands. It's, it is, it's, you know, every kid's a person. They all have needs. They all have physical needs, and they all have emotional needs. Right? And, and if they're not, those emotional needs are not satisfied, well, it's either you're unhealthy, or not, you'll hear it, and so it will be manifested in some way. So, the more you're dealing with people, and everyone, and one day this one has this one, this one has this one, the more your patience you need, right? The more you want to have, you know, there's nothing like a beautiful extended family, strong central, but the more you have to be patient, right? Because everyone with family, everyone has their shtick. <laughs> everyone has their, their, don't, do I need to translate shtick, by the way? Everyone has their, okay. Shtick? Yiddish. They don't speak Yiddish. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I ran. They taught Yiddish. Shtick means it's very. It's like it's one of these words you can't translate well. It's like chutzpah. How do you translate chutzpah? Like mishagas is also Yiddish. It means their 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 own personal idiosyncrasies, their own you know, quirks. Okay. Um, he says the Revolva passed away it was 2004 I mean I remember him I used to hear I used to speak in the Mir Yeshiva and I used to speak to him uh, great great person and I saw him at the end of his life um, so he for, in fact even when I teach Chassanim I usually use one of his books one of the things I'll, I'll teach with him um, you know he, he had many many grooms come to him and he used to tell them when Chassam used to come to him, um, what they have to, what they should think about when they get married, when they're going into a house, and they're committing to a spouse and eventually a family. He asked, they asked him for advice, and he would say to them, "Be'amnam When you come to the wedding, you're under the the chupa, you're under the canopy. Yikablu al atzman lasas is ol ha'isha." accept yourself to take don't take this personally the burden of a wife for 120 years you get married you take the burden it's both it goes both ways obviously and so 120 plus no matter what it's not when I'm in a good mood it's not when I'm healthy it's not when I'm not stressed it's not when I had a good meal no matter what it's not when I had a, I had a good night's sleep. I, I again I've, I I mention this because I've dealt with this. I I've never understood what kind of excuses that I'm stressed, or I don't have a good night's sleep, or I was hungry, that allows a person to take it on on, on the person they love the most. If somebody could explain that to me, why that makes sense, uh, it doesn't make sense. So I. I it, it, now, is it is it, in a court of law? Is it a mitigating factor? They were not of sane mind. Yeah, they're not of sane mind. They're not, they're not, they're not wholly there, but it's not a, it's not an excuse. <laughs> it, it doesn't just because you're tired does not give you a right to be mean or cruel or edgy or tense with me. It doesn't. Right? And just because a mother is stressed does not give a right to scream at her children. <laughs> it doesn't. Well, if you know why it doesn't, because you accepted a burden, 
You get married, you agree to be a best friend no matter what, under all circumstances. You, you have a child in this world, you bring a child in this world, you mean that you gotta work on self on us. That's part of the deal. That's part of the agreement of life. It's not, you don't bring a kid into the world and be impatient with him or her. I'm not saying we're imperfect here. Again, it takes time to work on that. We have, we have to know what we're supposed to be doing. We have to be clear of where our goals are. You get married, that means no matter what, sick days, healthy days, good days and bad days, we're patient. And that's, that's our goal. Actually, the Medjish Rabbi says that a person should take a burden when they're young. That's the burden of marriage. They call a person in, 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 in if you look at the Lashon HaKadosh, as Naisa Isha. person who's Naisa Isha. Literally means get married to a woman. But Naisa also means to? What's Naisa? Naisa To carry. You carry, you're carrying your spouse. That's a tremendous expression. They're literally, this time to a, to, a, to a male, but to carry a wife. They carry a spouse. It means when a person's struggling, you carry them. They're having a bad day. You carry them. You're, you're there for them. And hopefully it goes both ways. That's savlanus. You don't get impatient. You don't get stressed out. Uh, you don't take it out on the person. So I have lonus. London This patience in bearing a burden, we have, we have a new understanding. Clap on Shibeso. By our family. <laughs> By our family. Our flesh and blood. Loy. It's not enough if they, we don't get angry, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't uh, become upset at them. He says, Lord Pamram Eitzel Benazugo Bazuk Hanhaga Hama Ores Shat Nefesh Abito. Very often you see things which have disappointment or notification. The Yosemi said, Miskar Eitzel Benazug, me the raw mamish. Hima, sometimes you you get married, guess what? You're going to have literally what you call imperfections, literally. For example, you have one person who's always late. Being late is not a good thing. It is not a good thing. It's maybe, maybe the natural tendency of certain people. But being late is not good. I mean, you have you, if I have a meeting called for 8.30 and somebody comes late, you know what I consider that? Uh, inconsiderate. And rude. I mean, rude's a strong word, but inconsiderate, rude. You now, sometimes people call me up. They have things that come up that happens to all of us. But if a person has no real excuse, that means I'm sitting in my office at 8.30. I made my time. I, I pushed other people off. I, sometimes I left my family early. <laughs> I, and... I recall for 8.30 and I'm not there. That's inconsiderate. So being late is inconsiderate to other people. Some people are waiting. Right? It, when you think about it, it's inconsiderate. Now again, some people are struggle with being tardy or late. But it's still inconsiderate. Outslawness. Laziness. Laziness. I, I, I've never heard of something positive coming from laziness. I, 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 again, it could be something that's natural, but people, again, these are things that all of us have a little bit of. You know, we just talk about things which are negative. You're going to get married to them, they have things which are different, and they have things that are actually negative that that, that person ha- struggles with. Um, uh, oh, the bonus, some people are too talking. <laughs> you know, one thing of being the rabbi is I, get to, I, have a, I have everyone at my house at some point, and usually someone, a spouse, almost you know, at least once or twice a month, there's someone at the table. 
and there's a spouse who says something, and I see their other spouse like looking at them, why do you say that? <laughs> no, they don't, they don't, once in a while they actually articulate that. But a lot of times like, you see the other spouse like look at them like, hmm. You're not supposed to say that to the rabbi or to what? Or to anyone. <laughs> that was private. Like, you see that, like... So, you know, it's... Being discreet is a good thing very often. Now, it's not it's not a negative if you know how to, what to say when I say... Or being, you know, tactful or, or, or being, you know, knowing what's appropriate to say and what's inappropriate. It's not a bad thing. So, you have... I'm telling you... I, I'll be honest. You know, I'm sure I've said inappropriate things... Um, at my table as well and you know and my wife has pointed that out to me uh, not inappropriate in a vulgar way God forbid but things that should you know should not have been said you know in front of this person in front of this person but I'll tell you one thing uh, almost without exception to my, my recollection my wife will tell it to me but not then and there <laughs> she'll tell me afterwards you know why you know why she's patient I I, I, I mean, so even a bad mida, you don't want to tell right away. You have to be able to, to, you have, you have to, you have to bear. So, Manasim, again, if something's awful, you should, you should stop the person right away. If I was, you know, then maybe I get a kick under the table. <laughs> now, well, who knows what? But, but th- there could be a situation where it's appropriate to stop a person. Lashon hara, something like that. Obviously, you don't sit there and wait till the person talks about all lashon hara. You stop the conversation. So, Manasim, Ligmo, some, says a little to, uh, to us. So sometimes a person has a deficiency where they're lazy or they're late constantly or they are just the blabbermouth, if I can use that word, words, and you're not going to change them. You know, you're not you're not gonna change. I, you know, I always, my number one advice to somebody when they come to me about should I marry this person? Uh, they are there. This so is first of all, you're not changing them. <laughs> okay, meaning when things are naturally what people are. Okay, that you're not gonna change. They have to change themselves, and that's that's a multi-year. Right? A person is lazy. A person who is just you know doesn't know boundaries as far as conversation. If you make that your goal to change the person in that situation, where it's not something on external, but it's internal to them, you'll be very frustrated and it'll cause severe stress in your marriage. So, in things which are not, I'm not talking about things they should be doing, but core personalities of people, core personality, you marry such a person. Now, sometimes you don't even know that you marry such a person. Like that, then you have to. Then guess what? They didn't know that about you as well. <laughs> we all have things that we didn't know, and they didn't know. It's I guarantee you. Um, and the thing is, with those type of things, what Revolva is now saying, you accept. <laughs> you live with it, right? You accept it. You don't fight it, right? Again, things which could be changed and should be changed, you fight. But the core personalities of people, right? that's something you accept, and that's part of the marriage agreement. That's part of savlanat. You accept under your chuppah that this person is going to be this, and you'd be pleasantly surprised when it works out. And they don't do these type of things. And if you really think about yourself, we also have to think that uh, uh, we work on our own things. The ayin says, listen to the words of the chassid Yavitz. The Yavitz, again, was the great 18th century sage of Yaakov Emden of Amsterdam. He says, "Hakol tzafoi, everything is uh, in front of Hashem. Ain't suffik, 
Sharkazov Harkovas Adam that a person, each mix of a person, Umazgo, the Aishanoldo may be Godolapolosov, that there's a certain metaphysical reality to the person, certain composition based on certain ideas when they're born, how they're born, and things like that. Um, so for example, certain people are uh, born under times where they would be, again, nature-nurture, we deal with a nature-nurture, they have more of a tendency to this way, a tendency to that way. He's saying some people are more, by nature, righteous, and more nature bloodthirsty, some people nurture this way. Um, but this is only the nature uh, of the nurture. He says, but we could work uh, upon right, and anyone who, who gets involved in Torah and mitzvahs. For example, people, you ladies are coming to this class. Okay, this class is about working on ourselves. Right? So again, it's not about the class, it's about what goes on after this class. But if a person in this class comes here, and they take it home, and they work on their... On their that's, that's unbelievable. You know why? Because 99% of the world is not doing that. 99% of the world does this. They have their own tendencies, and everyone's a big mix in life. Some people have to work on this. Now, again, for the cost and Sylvanas, we could all work on, some need this more than others. And the person who leads this less, there'll be a class where they need more. Because we all have what to work on. The most people, they just follow a script the whole life. Like I mentioned, there's certain people who dive in the same way at 35, they did it at 25, they'll do the same way at 45, 55, and 65, and 75. That's how they're going to live their whole life. And, you know, barring any major traumatic events. Same thing by kindness. They're just as not kind or kind as they were 20 years ago. Barring any traumatic events in life. They just kind of go who they are. So most people who don't do that, but a person who's working in Torah mitzvahs, they have the ability to actually change themselves. Right? This person who is lazy could become a person of alacrity. In fact, it could be that, that the thing they struggle the most is the thing they can become the strongest because they're going to work on that. They're going to focus on that. I know somebody, they're the nicest, sweetest person, because when they are younger, they were not. And they worked on it, and they were such a focus, it was such an endeavor, it became a life mission, that they went above and beyond. But that's only because it was, they worked on it. So Torah allows, in connection to Torah and Musar, allows a person to work on themselves, to develop themselves, to better themselves. But the, the verse says in Kehelis, that one in a thousand are like this. Most people, they're growth like this. Especially, not like this, it's like, for those on the, those who are listening, or will listen, it, it will, it, it means the growth is erratic, and not, uh, not a, on a 45 degree angle. Um, so, when you're, when you're, when you're dealing with that, you're marrying somebody, you have to assume in the core personalities, core personalities, not adjustable things, core personality you have to accept. Right? I'll give you an example. I have one child, I have my children, you know, again, I'm just picking person, I speak for my children because it's easy to use an example, I know them intimately. Right? There are kids, and my children, they're all different. So of the older kids, some are uh, more sensitive and some are less sensitive in different areas. So if I try to change the kid, right, 
somebody, if I try to change them, I would break them. <laughs> Not only I break them, I would be unsuccessful with them. So I have to accept who they are and work with them. Right? means, I may like certain things differently. I would like this one to not always be this reactive. That's a core personality. I cannot change that. If, in, if one day in life they decide at the age of 20 or 30 to work on this, then that, and that core personality has pluses also. They just have to know how to, to focus on the pluses more. They'll be able to change it. So how am I going to deal with my child? I'm going to accept that child and work with them and assume that's their core personality. Okay? You get married. You accept your spouse. Now, it doesn't mean he's, he, he, every husband, every husband needs a good wife. I, I, I remember I was in Lakewood Yeshiva. I'm telling you, you would see the men who never got married. Lakewood Yeshiva is a yeshiva of 6,000 people. There are about 50 men over 35 who just never got married. And they just never grew up. And they, they never, they, men need a woman's touch. And vice versa, you see a woman who never gets married. You know, very often they're missing something core of as about giving and physiologically and intrinsically doesn't mean that they're not exceptions to the rule and like they're exceptional people but as a whole um, you know that's often the case um, you marry somebody you marry somebody that means you learn to put up with them and you love them as well even though they come late or even though they're lazy or even though they're forgetful if you marry somebody who's forgetful and you imagine you're going to change that about the person you're going to be frustrated and your Sean bias is going to be ruined. So, you make medicine forgetful. You learn to put little sticky notes and reminder notes and to call him and remind him and tell him not one time but a hundred times and have other outstanding qualities. But you're not going to make him have a, a very good memory for these type of things if they're forgetful. Now, a forgetful person, by the way, should come to a class like this, really, and work on being forgetful, and they'll improve. They will improve. But if they don't do that, that will be their core personality, and they can only do that. So as I said, when you get married to someone, you accept them. Now, that forgetfulness is a core personality. Other things, there are things you have to work on, and that a wife is expected to help a husband, and vice versa. Um, children. You bring children to the world, you have to be accepting of who they are. Your brothers and sisters. If you think you're changed brothers and sisters, and please listen to me. Anyone who ever listens to this class, sons-in-laws, daughter-in-laws, mother-in-laws, father-in-laws, <laughs> you will never change your in-laws. Ever. And if people would realize that, I'd have a lot less, you know, meetings. Uh, hey, because people get n- so stressed out by their mother-in-law or father-in-law or son-in-law and daughter-in-law, brother-in-law and sister-in-law. If they would just accept these people who for they were, they'd be so much better off and work with them have savannas. I cannot tell you how often I hear people, oh no, my this my son-in-law's coming again and I have to deal with his thing. My daughter-in-law's coming. My mother-in-law, that infamous mother-in-law. <laughs> my mother-in-law, if I listen to, say, listen to this, she's great. Uh, for the most part. Uh, <laughs> right? I don't, I don't get it. You know. But, hey, hey, people, but the, 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 the craziness of it all is the, they, they're, they're, they, they expect to change these people, their in-laws. You know why, by the way? I'm going to tell you why. Because we're dealing with mother-in-law, father-in-law, son-in-law, daughter-in-law, brother-in-law, sister-in-law. We think that other families are like our family. 
one of the greatest challenges of marriage is you get married to somebody you're used to your family well my parents did this my brother and sister did this so I expect my in-laws to do the same way and my brother and sisters to do the same way as my brother-in-law sister-in-law and your children I raised my daughter I raised my daughter um, I expect my son-in-law to be like my daughter but guess what <laughs> he's not so you gotta deal with it it means savannas it means accepting it I, 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 say, I stress this because it, it, it's, it's a tragedy. You see how many, and that's always shattered, but unfruitful relationships come from this lack of understanding. Right? So long this means accepting people for who they are, and children and spouses for sure, but in-laws, it's not even that, that same kind of relationship. And there it gets really, really testy. Really, really lost, and even if something's not expressed, Usually I hear my, my, my mother-in-law left, my father-in-law, thank God. <laughs> my brother-in-law left, my sister-in-law left, thank God. My daughter-in-law left, thank God. You know, it was nice to, that was nice to have them, nice to see them go. That's, a, that's how people talk. I, I can't tell you how often I hear that. You know why? It should be, I wish they could stay longer. I miss them already. Everyone misses their, 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 their daughter or their son, their father or their mother. It's the, in- it's the other side of the family. Right? Because they accepted their parents, hopefully, or their sisters, or their brothers. They haven't accepted their in-laws for who they are. So you got to learn to accept people for who they are. Especially relatives. So, Kaimu Malkam Levnei Azog, for a couple, Lasis Echeles Hasheini B'Savlanis. To carry. To Nisuin. Carry. Carrying. You're married, you carry the burden. To carry one of an, an, to each other, right? With all of your your spouse's deficiencies and vice versa, without without letting it affect us, on every iniquity, love can conquer. Love conquers all, right? If you have true love, you'll let it conquer. Don't think there's ever a married couple who has nothing to work on. Now again, if a person is re- reckless and they get married, right? They marry somebody from a completely different everything. So, you know, the, in theory, in theory, in theory, any man and woman who are observant Jews means if you're in a different, you know, if someone's uh, wants to live, uh, you know, behaving in lifestyle, and you know, one person wants to be living in Shalom, okay, it's not going to work. But any two observant people, could, man and woman, can marry and can be happily married. Absolutely. You just have to be enough of a giver. Enough savannas. You can be happily married to almost anyone in this world. You can make that marriage work. In theory. <laughs> but, you know, the, the higher you stack the odds against you, the more savannas and the more giving you have to be. Right? It, means, it means you can marry anyone who's functional, not dysfunctional. Anyone and be happily married. But it just, it just, the challenge is very, very great. So when you have cultural differences, it makes it a greater challenge. When you have very strong family background difference, it's a greater challenge. It just makes it higher of a, higher of a challenge. Right? Which is why Chazal say you should marry someone with a similar background. Not because you can't marry someone with a not similar background, it just makes it more difficult. I, I once mentioned that Rabbi Greenlaw told me that these highest percent of given someone is from multicultural international shaduchan right guys from England women's from Iran they can get married Jews two orthodox Jews 
but they have more of a cultural background, right? One guy grew up in a family of 15 kids, one's an only child. That's an immediate difference, by the way. <laughs> they, they, they had very different childhoods. Very different. So that's something, that, that's more of a challenge. It, it creates a challenge. So you might, anyway, if you're patient enough. So everyone's gonna have their own differences, and you accept it for it. Um, because everyone has it. Don't think it's only in your marriage. If you're not successful, it means you're not having enough savlanas in this area. Right? It means that you're not accepting enough of it. And then when you have a zug who says no matter what, that's how you have shalom bias. You have a, a family, no matter what, core personalities, core issues, that's how shalom bias. And then he says, comma, savlanas, how much patience and bearing we have children. Oh. You know, children. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. You know, you go to grandparents. Grandparents is the easiest job. Their whole job, their whole journey is to spoil. Right? <laughs> they're just like you know, they, they just go. They come to spoil. But parents, they change the diapers. They take the doctor trips. They do the homework. They're up three in the morning. They eat, have the meal, and every kid is has to someone something else. And it's just, I, I, you, you, it's a miracle if if, if half fifty percent of staff satisfied. So that's how many complaints you have a night. Right, ladies, you're not there yet. You will have this experience, God willing. Right, right. It's how. And then you'll be late to class. <laughs> <laughs> you'll have a mitigating factor, right? So I mean, you'll, 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 it's like it's like you, go, you deal with kids. Right? I mean, until they get like I don't know what I'm still waiting for that age. You know, does it come yet? Is it is it there yet? Where, waiting. You're waiting. Where it's like, oh, thank you. That's great. <laughs> Satisfaction. <laughs> No complaints. Wait, wait for the grandchildren. That's yeah. right. Um, children at all ages, at all ages, need a tremendous amount of patience. Tremendous amount of patience. A tremendous amount of bearing, putting up with, carrying. Tikatsuri says is not enough, you know, lines to write about how much patience you need with children. I'm not, he says, right now we're talking about patience, I'm not going to deal with chinuch. He actually has a beautiful book on child raising children. Rox is Nick Bakan. He says, the one thing I want to point. Right? With screams and patches, that's not how you educate. How foolish parents are. People come and ask me, when do I potch a kid? Like, they're worried about, uh, what's, the, what's the red lines of potching? Well, so that's how, you're, that's how your, your thought process in chinuch is when I scream and when I potch. Rakim Savlanis, you want to be able to educate children. Not apathetic. Not letting them get away with murder. Not being callous to what they do. But with Savlanis, knowing how to deal with it. Savlanis, Belikvul, Yechel, Mahagia. That's the way you come to a natural, cool, calm, collected reaction to whatever they do, with patience, with bearing, with a, with a clear head. La Havana and of course with 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 guidance, with an understanding and acceptance of who the child is, the of an acceptance of their nature and their nurture, right? Acceptance of, the, of their characteristics. That's how you build a child and not break a child. That's how you build a child, and that's how you make a child. Now it screams, and sometimes the child needs to be screamed at, and sometimes the child needs to be potched. That's the nuclear options. 
and you know, some, it's 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 how being patient and knowing how to build a child, knowing what the child can handle today, what they'll need to work on in the next months ahead, where, what the goal is, what the focus is, and that takes patience. And it takes patience to understand them. It takes tranquility and a clear head as well. Islam would be We're talking about being bearing and patient with our with our family members. Nikbalat Smini should have ideally, okay, for those doing fifteen minutes a day, they give an extra challenge. Another hour a week. What's this hour a week? It's an hour where it's the most stressful hour. Now in many houses, for those I'll, I'll put the Levine house, because I'll I'll put myself on the on the drawing board over here. An hour before Shabbos, or an hour before asking the Shalom Shabbos. You wait that hour. Or that hour is consistently, especially in the winter, nice and early. Right? That's it's you know it's whatever early you start, it's never enough. Right? It's stressful hour. You know, sometimes an hour you you know you have a flight. <laughs> an hour before you have a flight, you have kids or your spouse, whatever it may be, or, or people who deal with elderly parents. That that situation, if they're fortunate enough to have that situation, were they able to help their parents? Fortunate enough. So. It's a, it's a stress. Pick the hour where it's most stressful. He gives babokir. So I, I, my wife spares me. I'm usually in the show when the kids are still getting out. I don't, we don't do the carpool in the morning. That when they're trying to get because what happens in the morning is carpool. If you ever experienced this? There's the kids that can't find their shoes. They lost their lunch. As you're about to leave the house, the homework's upstairs. They didn't sign this. The, you know, last time they said, you, fi- yeah, you finish your homework? Yeah, I finished my homework in the morning. I didn't do my homework and start crying. <laughs> and four kids in the car. I, so he's picking the morning, you know, like, hey, the morning hour. And then you know that you're going to miss the carpool lane if they wait a little longer. I, or the carpool, even worse, you're not doing the carpool and the carpool's beeping outside. This kid's sitting there having a, you know, occupy your house, protest tent, crying. I, so that's a stressful hour. Now, in many homes, the reaction to that is, "Get in the car, go!" <laughs> right? I'm gonna kill you. Or worse. What? Uh, no, you can keep this on. <laughs> Never in the Levine house. Not for my wife, at least. Um, not for my wife, at least. <laughs> um, just the only thing. The only thing is, please, my children hear this tape ever. Um, <laughs> They'll be accountable. Um, but on a serious note, you'd be, I, I mean, you walk by people screaming, you know, we're late to show, like screaming. Right. So pick the hour where it's like that. Or a husband and wife, right? You know, again, when you don't have kids, you have a little bit of a less, but all husband and wife have their time. Pick an hour where typically either you have a date or whatever it may be, where it could be, you know, that's just for hour. Okay. Where or be out of at night, or go to sleep, or um, so make sure that no matter what, um, you're going to be bearing. That's sometimes some, some ladies, by the way, it's when you have guests. You have guests for Shabbos, right? And it could be the hour before they come, it could be the hour after they come. There's a cleanup, whatever it may be, or the hour when they're there. Your, your spouse is supposed to help you, and meanwhile, all he's doing is talking about, you know, his his, his tech company the whole time, and you're sitting there slaving. And he's talking about his tech company, you know. And you asked him before the meal, please help out. We have 15 guests, and he's sitting there talking about his tech company. And you hint him, you winked at him. He does. It's oblivious. 
So you're going to sit there and smile and slave, and after the meal you'll say to him nicely, please clean the dishes and do this, throw out the garbage. And you know, you explain to him that you really told me to help and talk, you know. But you're going to be calm, cool, relaxed, and serene. Um, so as Rabbi said, whenever that hour a week, the most stressful hour of the week, okay, again, we're here to work on ourselves. You know, if you don't do this, so we, lo- we lose. Right? The point is to work on ourselves. Take your stress out of the week. And that's when you thank God you have family. Just th- the best way to deal with it is you thank God. You, know, you literally thank God you have children, you have a spouse. Um, it's a much sadder, lonelier life without it. It's much less opportunity without it. Count our blessings. Be patient. Appreciate it. Accept the people for who they are. Accept their failings. And then work on it with a calm, cool, serene head. Okay, that's number one. Okay, so just to reiterate, our family should be the people with the most patient, caring, and loving, and bearing of. Nisu in marriage means to bear. Means and, and, and certainly to bear core personalities. We cannot change people's core personalities. They could work on it if they try very hard. But when you marry somebody, you marry them as is. Core person, core personality. Okay? Core personality you are not going to change. Um, and, and you accept and to love and to work with. And again, just to stress, um, the, that applies first and foremost to our spouse and children. But most, if not all, of in-law, brother-in-law, sister-in-law, father-in-law, mother-in-law, daughter-in-law, son-in-law, struggles is the fact that we do not accept core personalities. Right? And we don't accept people for who they are. And that's unfortunate. Okay? Next point. is Bechol Shalvi over the Seno Alena Lizkor. We have to remember that we're dealing with Savalanis bearing patience, which is a, which is a protective shield against anger, which we discussed in, 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 in the beginning, of the, how destructive anger is, spiritually, physically, materially, emotionally. So we talk about Savalanis patience. It's not adicious. It's not apathy or shtika, or being quiet by itself. Savalanis is a basis. It's a basis. It's, it's, the, it's the foundation of how we come to Tsuguva Shkula Umatima. What beautiful words. The proper balanced reaction. Savlonus, if we're able to bear, we'll have the proper, appropriate, or I should say something even nicer, appropriate and balanced reaction. That will react appropriately and with a clear, balanced head. Harimukrochim there are times we're forced to rebuke chastise explain mistakes react and we're foolish reckless callous if we don't even to our loved ones especially our loved ones by the way right? especially children especially spouses who we care about and we want to make sure they're doing well if we care people we care the most about it should be we should be able to to communicate and to react correctly to. Okay? So there has to be a line of communication. It doesn't mean I accept all and I'm a shmata. Can you teach you in Persia what shmatas are? Yeah. A shmata, okay, good. Alright, we're not shmatas. It doesn't mean that we become a, a shmata, but it means that we're able to react 
and to communicate. Or it doesn't mean that we, we raise children without no. <laughs> children need to hear no. They need they, they need boundaries and they need clear guidelines. Right? Some things are not options and some things are not choices. It's black and white. This is right and this is wrong. Right? Clear guidelines. Now there are parents who ruin their children by spoiling them to death. Right? Or, or making them completely materialistic or completely having no value system because they don't want to say no. They don't want to ruin the relationship so they destroy their children. Right? Some relationship you have, some caring you have, you let the kid go off the deep end. A parent has to be able to say no. They have to be able to educate a child. But again, it's how you do it. A child has to be able to get somewhere with an acceptance with the right reaction. So how do we get to this with being bare, with being patient? It's actually a halacha for those who Husbands are learning Dafyomi. They're learning Meshach HaShavas. They're just going to do this. Which is brought down in Shulchan Aruch. And for Ashkenazim, it's part of the, the liturgy Friday night. What is this? The Talmud says, brought down in the Code of Jewish Law. And again, it's in the, in the Siddur. When it's close to nightfall, and a person should say to his spouse, his husband to wife, and this is the days where it was all pertinent and germane, Isartan, did you t- take the tithes? Take Meiser. Living in Israel, take Meiser. Today, again, you buy in a supermarket, right? You buy in a supermarket. If it's from Israeli produce, they take the t- they'll tithe it for you. But in the old days, any fruit you buy in the land of Israel, you gotta make the off tithes. Well, you can't do it on Shabbos. You didn't do it before Shabbos, you're stuck. Isartan, do you take off tithes? Erastan, did you do an Erev Chatzeros? Right? So, God willing, in the near future, there'll be an air of. Okay, so in the air of, you're not going to have an air of chatzeris. You know why? Because I do it. It will be the air of chatzeris. So the air of is, is a wall around the city, but then that the wall is in a, you need an air of. You actually need to do the chala. You have to do the whole bracha and connect the whole city. Or in, our, in the case of an air of for a city, you do something called schiris rishus. Not for now. Uh, but if you're in an apartment building, you're in a, a, a complex. Erev Chatzeris. So you can't do that on Shabbos. If you didn't do the Erev Chatzeris, you can't carry it to your neighbor. You can't bring that bottle of wine to your neighbor. So you have to do that before Shabbos. So you say, Erev Sartam, did you take Meiser? Erev Sartam, did you do the Erev? Heliko Esanir. Did you light the candle? Guess what if you don't light the candles? You can't do it on Shabbos. And what happens? You have to add on a candle for posterity. <laughs> so all these three things, the time is now. You mess up you're stuck. You don't let the candles. You take off the, the, you can't eat your food. You can't carry. Right? So you, you have to, these are things you want to have reminders before Shabbos. So the Talmud says, actually, it's a halacha. Uva Magan Avram, the Magan Avram says, how do you say this Friday afternoon when all chaos is going on in the house? And everything else is there. Balash and Racha. With it softly. It's forbidden for a person to put too much of a stress or fear now in in a house it shouldn't be a scary place a house Friday afternoon should not be scary right it shouldn't be stressful it shouldn't be that one spouse is stressing out the other for these type of things because the person's scared 
If the person is scared, the Magen Avraham is talking about Magen Avraham lived 17th century Poland. Avraham Kubiner, oh, Godless. You know what 17th century Poland is? Anyone know what 17th if you, didn't know, if you don't know what 17th century Poland is, listen to my history class on Polish Jewry, I think it's class 15 or 16, you'll get an appreciation of, it was Torah. It was every Jew in Poland. Every Jew was what we call observant. So how observant you were. Shabbos, you lived in the shtetl. You lived in the street. Shabbos was in the air. You know what? The Morgan of Ram is saying, if people are scared, you create fear in the house, somebody can desecrate the Shabbos. They'll come and desecrate the Shabbos. The Machs is a shekel. Right? The Machs is a shekel says, the shekel was Ravon Mekhlein Levi. He lived a century later in Poland. Also, a great commentator on the Shulchan Aruch. He says, what does it mean that because you speak slow, um, uh, uh, um, uh, if you speak gently, you won't come to fear. Speak gently, you want Akim to fear? What does speaking gently have to do with anything? So he explains it, he says, see the Gemara in Gitin, in Gitin, there the Gemara says as follows, Amar of Chista, a person should not cause a house to be a scary zone. Shari Pilagish Begiva, the story of the Pilagish Begiva, the concubine in Gibon, does anyone know what that is? Anybody? Shoftim. He has Perk twenty, the twentieth Perk of Shoftim. With Binyan, oh, there you go, right? Try Binyan. So there's a, there's a whole story. They went to civil war, all because of this guy uh, got into a fight with his wife, his concubine actually, and she left the house. He says because of that whole story, thousands of people died. Now, how that story starts? She was killed in a very unfortunate way, which caused civil war. But the reason they got into a fight, that the Talmud has a dispute. Then he, he found either a fly in his soup or a hair in his soup, and they got into a fight over this fly or this hair in the soup. So, because of that whole fight of husband and wife, ultimately it led to a civil war. Now, it wasn't just that fight, it became a whole shebang. But the starting point was a guy being over, overbearing in his house. This applies to all, by the way. Ladies can be overbearing to their husbands. They say that Abe Lincoln, Republican president, Illinois, everyone heard of him? Right? <laughs> So Abe Lincoln w- w- was very reluctant to go home because his wife was overbearing. He used to, he used to leave for weeks, and not come back because he knew his wife was a nudge, and she made the place a terror zone. I, and, and it goes much deeper. I once again, I, I, I said this story once. I had a person who had who had a, who had a, a a a fear of every time they go check the sink is closed because when they were a kid, their mother screamed at them once. Why did you close the sink? And the sink was on the whole night. The sink, they left it in the sink the whole night. The faucet. They left it in the faucet, and the 25, 30 years, the person's an adult, they still go to close the sink. Because they're still scared that that, that, that time they got screamed. There are kids who, I don't know, there are people in the show, quite a few who have things they do because they were screaming at little kids. So if you think about that, you think of how you speak to your kids or your spouse. Right? Just literally, like, these little phobias because <laughs> of the fear they had ingrained in them. Right? And some of their, their spouses are terrified. If my wife finds out about this, she'll kill me. My husband finds out about this, they'll kill me. 
they live in, in an element of fear. But guess what? If you, if you live in an element of fear, you can even desecrate the Shabbos. Even desecrate the Shabbos in 17th century Poland. Person who comes to, to, to unnecessary fear in the house can come to three sins. Gile Arais, right? Acts of lunis, Shvichas Domim, murder, and Chil Shabbos, and desecrate the Shabbos. Now, he doesn't bring it, but if you actually look at the, the Rashi and the Talmud, it's like, it's how you come to Gile Arais? A woman will be scared if, not, if she doesn't go to the mikvah. Rashi says it's a cold night. Now, in those, 17, in, it could be really cold in those days. A woman says she was gonna, supposed to go to the mikvah. She has to go to the mikvah because her husband's going to... You know, and she it doesn't tell her husband because her husband's going to be furious. So she has relations with her husband as a nida because of his own... She's scared of him. She's scared of him. Person messed up and he says a person says his wife is a nida simply because he would never want to do that. But the wife is scared to tell him that she didn't go or she didn't do this because of his reaction. Alright. Um, so next was murder. Because he gets a fight, they drive they drive recklessly. <laughs> they get killed. In those days they said they fall into a pit or fall off a bridge due to a due to a fight. Right? Person has a certain amount of fear, they make critical errors. And Shabbos is if the food's going to get burned, my husband's going to react irately. Right? Person's going to do this. She'll cook on Shabbos or turn on, make the, you know, make the chillin lower. The crockpot. She looks, looks at the chillin's burning. The husband is a wild animal. If his chillin's not perfect, when I talk about burnt, it's not medium rare. It's not exactly perfect. Right? Is it creates? It gets all upset, all tzihist, all angry. So because that person can even desecrate the shabbos, because the person has fear, and, and vice versa, husbands do do crazy things because their wife gets all upset at them, all in their case. So they do things which they would not do if it'd be more of a balanced relationship. So therefore, Amar Amar Rakhana should say these things gently. You shouldn't create an, an atmosphere of tension, an atmosphere of fear. You know, I would actually use the word of terror now we don't think we think of terror but terror means that a person can't will be forced to do things they don't even want to do because of the reactions that, that are there the Gemara um, there is talking about in Gidin when it's talking about it it says there where it talks about the whole story of Pelagish and about that you can desecrate the Shabbos and, and come to, to sleep with your wife when she's impure and even lead to, to mistakes which will, will lead to manslaughter. It says there, when you're Friday afternoon, when there's chaos, and you're saying all these three things which you can't do on Shabbos, it's the last opportunity to do Friday afternoon. Did you do an Erev? Did you do take off the ties? Did you light the candles? Say it gently. Why is that? It's not because you'll be listened to, right? Because maybe you'll be listened to even if you screamed it. <laughs> Did you light the candles? Did you do this yet? Right? You'll be listened to either way. So it's not because you're not going to be listened to. Right? It's that you shouldn't create a tense, stressful, scary environment. By the way, this applies so much for children. So much for children. I can't, you know, if you think adults get stressed out and make critical errors, you imagine children, they, 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 what can happen with this. Um, first of all they can admit it they won't lie they won't, they won't be forced to do it because if it's Friday night 
and they didn't take off the ties, and you're not going to eat food, maybe they'll, they'll say you did it when you didn't do it. Right? Even good people. Fear. Fear. Stress. Right? You know, consequences. It leads a person to, to admit fault. As opposed to the following thing. If you know that your spouse is going to be very, very considerate, very, very kind, very, very accepting of your mistakes, and they may, you know, say maybe next time, be much more likely to admit it, you know, or uh, to work with a person, and to say, by the way, I'm not going to be able to eat the chal tonight. It's burnt, you know, or I couldn't go to the mikvah, and this is the reason. You know, as opposed to, I, yeah, there are even extreme cases, if you've heard of physical abuse, this type of kind, you know, that's obviously, in a way, extreme. So if a woman knows she's going to be physically abused, she's going to tell her husband anything she wants to hear. <laughs> he wants to hear. You know, she's going she's gonna to say anything, because that's extreme terror. Right? But guess what? Their kids are physically abused or emotionally abused. Right? Well, if a parent makes that kind of environment for a kid, they will do anything they can not to be abused. Right? And then, on the contrary, that's not a good relationship, to say the least. So you don't want Amy Yisera uh, in your house. So bearing means you have to have a tranquil environment. Friday afternoon, you don't sit there and scream these things, even though they're important. They're important. Not that they're not important. You should tell them. They need to hear this. In this case, the husband telling the wife, but plenty don't get me. Don't, the husbands need to hear things also. Don't say anything. Do remind the person. Do remind the person, tomorrow, child, you told me you'd clean your room. <laughs> By tomorrow. You told me you'd be on time. But do it, the Lush and Raka, do it with a balanced, in a way, where the message comes across. Don't come screaming at your spouse. You promised me, you told me, you did, uh, whatever. Right? Do it where the message comes across. His snake, the Ramban says, it's a famous letter of the Ramban. Everyone read that letter? Okay, the Gerasa Ramban, I think I once did it, even in Shul, uh, at, when I was doing the, kid, the class after Kiddush, I did the Gerasa Ramban once. So it's such an appropriate letter. Where he, the Ramban's advice to his family is, always speak gently. The, right? The, the persons, except for extreme situations, calmly, coolly, react without emotion involved. Even when you have to communicate an idea. Okay. Um, just, you know, I think, you know, there's something called presidential. Everyone ever heard of this? Hey, if you would see a president in a, in, in, a, in a tense situation screaming, you would look at that as he's out of control. Right? A good general, a good president, well, a good president can do many things, but a good president who's presidential is calm. You're, you're calm in a situation. It doesn't mean you're not decisive. It doesn't mean you don't communicate. It doesn't mean you don't convey ideas. But you're doing it cool, calm, and serene. If you're in a battle, I'm just screaming, oh, you know, so you're not you're out of control, right? And you lose, and everyone around you loses, right? And even if you get your message across in the long term, it's a real big negative. If you're a parent, you're a spouse. You have to convey ideas. You have to communicate, but it has to be with Menucha Serefesh has to be from a point of, of uh, calmness. Uh, so, and one of the most important ways is to speak calmly. So Savan's bearing patience is at some level a branch of humility and also close to tranquility. 
If we're not able to be be humble, we won't have. I'm not going to go into that in detail now. So we're dealing with savlanus. So how are we going to work on this? Okay. Now we're in our 15 minutes, and he says now we should go up to half an hour, half hour a day. This is our daily regimen, half hour a day, no matter what. We start off saying. We don't get upset. No matter what happens. Remember, a kid takes the apple juice and he spills on the table. Your husband, you made dinner for him. You put in an hour of work and he complains. You want to throw that dinner. Now, you want to do this. You all say, you all say, kisses. But someone who less than the people here would want to throw that dinner right in his face. But you're not, you're, you would never do that. You'd be upset. You're upset. So a lot of times you bear with it the whole time. Now, we, again, we said sometimes you have to communicate. So you communicate calmly. Uh, uh, calmly in that 15 minutes or half hour if you, if you want to walk up no matter what happens speak gently again sometimes you have to say things you know someone's doing something that's reckless uncaring it's that half hour a day to literally speak gently uh, <laughs> I was once in a house this is when I was a bacher you know when, you're, when, you're, when I was in a bacher when I was a, when I was a yeshiva student and I was and I would eat out I, I like. I kind of helped me like decide who I want to marry in life because I, you know, enough married people's houses when I was 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, and I got married. So, uh, but it was a good experience because you got to see a lot of different families, and you know, you eat out, you yeshiva, you see how pe- people do, and they're on the best behavior, you know, most of the time. So uh, I remember like once a, a wife got upset in her fridge and she like. Baruch Hashem, <laughs> this happened. <laughs> you know, and her talking through her teeth like this, and she didn't scream. Now, I I'm, I'm assuming it's because I was there, because I thought she was going to explode otherwise. So, in our 15 minutes and a half hour, I thought, Baruch Hashem, this happened. It's really, you know, you know, um, speaking to the person, explaining them, uh, let's say it's your kid, Baruch cannot do that. I'm very sorry. I want to. Baruch, if you do that, I'm going to have to put you to your room. I don't care. Okay, let's go, Baruch. Take his hand. Him not screaming. You put him in the game of the devil. And that means, you ideally would not, not like to do that. I mean, but that's during your half hour. You, you put the, the red lines down, but you don't lose yourself in the process. I, by the way, I'm, I, 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 I will say it, and I've said it many times. If you do lose yourself in the process, that is a huge net loss. It's not less for you, because you get upset and you have to cool down. You don't think clearly anymore as you start speaking. Where it cast blinds the thought, it ruins your neshama. The kid loses respect for you at some level. You will traumatize the kid at some level. Right? And, and, on top of that, uh, your message gets lost a little bit. Which means, you are t- trying to discipline Baruch, and Baruch thinks you're out of control. <laughs> That's the message, and that not only applies to the kids, it applies to spouses as well. Right, if you want to s- communicate with your spouse, if you lose, you, you blow a fuse, right, you've lost on multiple levels. Right? Let alone, you know, I, I, you know the, one of the best things that you can ever do is to communicate with your spouse calmly, because it teaches them how to communicate calmly. If you're able to communicate calmly, it will teach them how to communicate calmly. On top of everything else, if you communicate calmly with your children, you're not only helping them, 
you're helping your grandchildren. Because <laughs> when your children get uh, grow up, that's how they're going to relate to their children. And you're helping your great-grandchildren. And you're helping your great-great-grandchildren. So it's important to learn how to communicate calmly. And as Revolva said, one of the best ways is like the, the Mishnah says and the Shulchan Aruch says to speak gently, even when we're upset, even when it's stressful, and even when it's very important. Don't forget, right? The sales speak it gently, because if you have a, a, a situation of tension, it leads to gross mistakes. Right, any questions? We'll pick up in two weeks.